0: Gardner's just beaten to it by Moore. And then Cunningham tries to play it back in. Kilkenny now is a long way out. But he's trying
1: to beat the goalkeeper. Spectacular goal from Neil Kilkenny.
2: What a way to get your first in the season. And against the former side.
3: There we go, Neil Kilkenny. Welcome to the Shooting Czars Premier League Podcast Episode 6. My name's Stuart Marshall. With me, as always, is Bryce Conway. And we're joined by a very special guest for this episode. Former Premier League player with Birmingham City. And current A-League player. With Perth Glory, Neil Kilkenny. Neil, how are
2: you doing? Good, thanks guys. How are
3: you? Yes, good. Thanks for being here. Alex is late. I know,
1: he's tardy. Never done this before. No, he usually bashes anyone that is tardy, so this is rare from him. It's definitely a
3: fine. (laughs) So he'll be walking in mid-podcast, but Neil, can you tell us uh, what goal that was? I would imagine Leeds. No? No, you got that wrong. Oh, Oh, it (gasps) was Preston versus Bristol. It was a one-all draw back in 2015. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, (laughs) I thought it
2: would have been Leeds, but never mind.
3: it was a really good goal, but Neil, you're going to be joining us for the length of this episode. As I said at the top, we're going to be discussing the international break, so we're going to take a little bit of a different flavour on this one. So we're going to discuss the latest Premier League news uh, from the Premier League, but also with international results, particularly England. But Neil, you played in England for many years before you came out to Australia. What's it like actually playing in the Premier League? You made your start with Birmingham after starting at Arsenal.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough, you know, Um, so much competition. Um, games come thick and fast, especially in, in the Championship and League One um, and obviously in the Premier League you're playing against the best in the world so like I had the I was fortunate to uh, play in the Premier League, um, a lifelong dream and um, against Liverpool it was um, 2 old draw? Yeah, 2 all draw um, it was an eventful day um, I think, well Liverpool just won the Champions League, you know and um, yeah, and it was a couple of months later I start of the season and about four or five games in maybe and maybe a few more but and Steve Bruce um called me up and I was doing well in the in the reserves and I've been on loan the season before and he gave me my chance and um it was a fantastic opportunity.
1: How was it? I mean, you're a teenager playing in the Premier League. How was that? Like, how how were you told? How did Steve <coughs> Bruce tell you and how was the week building up to
2: it and talk us through just that experience as a whole? Um, I was yeah, I was young. I was nineteen at the time, and um, basically, he didn't tell me actually. Um, well, he did, but he actually rang my parents first and said, "Listen, um, how should I go about this? Um, should I speak to him before and tell him, or let let him um just tell him on the day?" So, yeah. um, which was obviously give my mum and dad the opportunity because. They were living down south at the time, so they didn't know whether I'd be in the squad, whether I'd be playing, or so it was hard for them. And they knew I was playing, so they they made the journey up to Birmingham. And yeah, it was, it was a fantastic opportunity and um, something I will never forget. And just before
1: that, I mean, yeah, you had time at the Arsenal Academy, and it's an academy that's very prestigious. And you're you're a Gunners fan. We've discussed this before. How was that for you? I mean, when did you find out? And with the trial process, how did it all work out for you?
2: Um, so I was living in in Australia, and my mum and dad got advised through my football ability um, to to go back to get in the system as soon as possible to move through the ages, um, because the older you get, the harder it's to get in. And um, at the time, the A League wasn't here, and so my mum and dad, um, we had my my father, my grandfather was at the time was um, very ill as well. So my mum and dad made the decision to move back, and I went and played. Sunday league Saturday league football and done quite well at the style and um, and there was it, over there there's scouts everywhere you know mm. um, all at the young kids games and uh, there was a couple of players that played for Arsenal a um, couple of players that played for Tottenham in my team and um, scouts names uh, no one really made um, the step I think there's less than 1% that become professional footballers at at the end so yeah. I think there's a statistic um to do that uh everyone knows about so um yeah it was just uh I had an opportunity and I got a trial and I had a few clubs after me and because it was Arsenal I signed for them
1: yeah oh, I mean just what was the major lessons that you took from Arsenal that you think that you've kind of gathered and you know, put to practice throughout your career. Do you think? Because it is a very—it's an academy that's well heralded, and people talk a lot about. It. It's been a great pathway from Arsenal for a long period of time.
2: Mm. Well, Arsene Wenger was there, obviously. Um, Liam Brady was um, the academy manager, and they basically just work on technique, technique, technique. Um, my mum and dad, when I was playing, like even kids' football, at, I don't know. Uh, 13 14 playing schools football scouts used to come up to my mum and dad and say even then like you need to be careful who you sign for Mm. uh who your son signs for uh because if he goes to the wrong club he'll get swallowed up because the style of play it has to go through the thirds instead of over the top and then play off the second balls which it happens a lot in england Mm. um it's now starting to change but when i was younger you know the ball used to go long you play off the second you get the ball down and play but throughout the system at Arsenal you you played through the thirds and so technical technical gifted players you know would get on the ball and yeah so I made the right
3: decision there. Did, oh, did you did you have a, a, a did you have a number of clubs that you could have gone to at that time or was it was it only yeah. Arsenal?
2: Well I had a few trials at a couple of uh, other London clubs the Tottenham was one Arsenal and um, I think uh, there was other clubs interested um Wimbledon was definitely one of them but um back then Wimbledon were known to play the ball long you know and pick up the second balls so obviously um Arsenal was the one for me and I supported them so um yeah I made that decision
3: so you're a, you're a fan of Arsenal what's your take on them these days obviously it's been a big big year or so for the club what do you how do you, how as a, from a fan what do you think um I think
2: financially they're in a fantastic position and Arsene Wenger, I, I saw what happened at Arsenal through the years, you know, they sold Anelka. Um Arsene Wenger built this unbelievable training ground, they've keeping ex- extending it, they, he's done what he's done to the with the Emirates now, have a stadium already paid off so financially they're in an unbelievable position and as a businessman, as an owner I can understand the thinking but obviously as fans they want success so um, yeah it, it's gonna be tough, but as soon in the Premier League, you see, as soon as you fall behind one or two years, it's hard to get back. Even you see it now with Manchester United; they've mm. f- fallen down a couple for a couple of years, two, three years, and they've still spent over three hundred or four hundred million, whatever it is, and they're still behind. Mm. So it's always going to be tough. And obviously, you've got teams like Man City; they've got an unlimited amount of uh, funds. So it's always going to be tough. And them.
1: just waiting that year or two, do you think that's? referring to you know with wenger did he stay for a year or two too long and it's kind of put them yeah behind the eight yeah ball definitely of it
2: now. yeah and i can understand you know he he was like his club really because he built he built that club it's really his baby he had control yeah. of everything didn't exactly he? and at the same time look what he'd done for the club you know he's built a new training ground a fantastic training a fantastic stadium they've got another training ground that People don't actually talk about with for the youth, which I was probably about 14, 15 when they got into that. Yeah. <clears throat> so he's got he's he's made that club, you know, in a financially unbelievable position. But for fans, they want success on the pitch. So and because they're falling behind, it's going to take a while now to get 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 back because they've got teams that they're competing with like Manchester City that mm. have got unbelievable funds. Yeah, there's
1: mm. there's no doubt he's got that legacy there. I mean, over two decades coaching at Arsenal, but what do you see is the biggest difference between winger's size that were winning trophies consistently to what they are today?
2: Um, you know that every every player was a winner. Mm. Um, that you know you go through the team that invincibles team, Lauren, uh, Torre. You know, Henri- Bloomberg. Br- Burke- yeah, they, yeah, they had an lame, unbelievable everyone. team, and even the players on the bench. You know, um, it was and and if you if you looked at them, they were all big guys, you know, for the Premier League technically unbelievable, quick, strong. And, you know, them players now Vieira, even people like uh someone like Gilberto who just won the World Cup for Brazil and then he's gone to Arsenal, they got him for quite cheap, relatively yeah, cheap yeah. at the time. Came Probably, in relatively unknown at yeah. that time really, yeah. But you think now people someone like Fred who who's obviously played for Brazil in the World Cup squad and they're paying and teams have to pay 52 million for you him now. You see it pays serious premium you know? don't you? Yeah so it's hard to get them them bargains to a certain extent anymore so uh, at the time uh, now so um, and Wenger was very very good at that getting players for a bit cheaper Um obviously they got Henri for cheap at the time from Monaco yeah, yeah, yeah. From, uh, well Juventus and then uh and then yeah And so it was he was fantastic at that.
1: Yeah yeah and I think the biggest thing now is, obviously, it's in your position. I feel like they've come under a lot of scrutiny in central midfield, central defensive midfield, and you've got the likes of... Oh, that thought, Bryce. Here oh. he is.
3: Go on, put, on your, put on your mic. <laughs> Get in <laughs>
1: there,
0: Get back. in there, mate. Better late than <laughs> <You> never. <know>, here <laughs> he <laughs> <it> is. <laughs> hey, Neil. How you doing, guys? How you doing? Sorry, lads. A bit rushed off my feet. i tell you what, I feel like I've not stopped all day, but here I am. Here he is. Thanks for fitting us in. I really yeah. appreciate it. Oh, no problem.
1: <laughs> we're just getting, We're just getting into... Arsenal central midfield and I was going to talk to you Neil about the most polarising player at Arsenal Mesut Ozil what's your take on him? Uh,
2: I think you know it's tough on him because he gets criticised but if he went to say somewhere like Manchester City you'd probably see a complete different player he'd be you know he's played out on the right he plays in number 10 position for Arsenal sometimes you know and I think if he went to Manchester City, he'd probably play in his preferred position okay. and you'd probably get a lot more out of him. But I think he's one of them players that he has to be at the team, a team that's, you know, right at the top of the tree like he was at Real Madrid. Can he
1: be the focal point though? Because I think that's the debate I've been having with a few people recently, namely Grante, about <laughs> Ozil, Is He's always, at Madrid they had Cristiano in front of him obviously and now and in, in the German side there was always a plethora of great players in the team and he was always up there as one of the top but not the the guy but with Arsenal he's the pay packet is on he's kind of built up to be that marquee guy mm. their focal point point. and I just can't he doesn't he doesn't seem to be handling that well do you think he's capable of that or um, is it unfair to put that pressure on him
2: I think he I think he should he's the type of player that has to be the the last piece of the puzzle you know the, okay. one, the you know you need a strong team behind him and then you can let him go and create above that and you know give him that license to do that to assist because that, that's what he's all about
3: yeah okay alright there we go to finish off the the intro I guess we just want to get a little bit we want to know a little bit more about your career who's the best player you've played with in England Uh
2: played with Um I don't know to be honest I I go around I go around this, this question a lot because <laughs> people ask you that yeah. and how do you you know differentiate do you, yeah, yeah do you go off the person that when you've played with them is that good or what they've gone on to be or what they were. So, for instance, I played with Nicky Butt, who won six or five Premier Leagues. But at the time when I played with him, he wasn't that player. Mm. And then I've played with players that someone like Max Gradle, who was at the start of his career and he's gone on and done, you guys may not, a winger. He was unbelievable at Leeds. Mm. So, you know, it's hard to, you know, differentiate.
1: Or maybe if I change the question up a bit, who's the player that you've played on the pitch with and gone Jesus Christ he's killing it today and that's been that's really resonated with you
2: I played with a player that at Bristol I walked into the changing room and I said who is this guy he is brilliant he was like obviously not to the extent but he moved and he was a bit an attacking midfielder but now he actually plays up front and I walked in and I went how many games has this guy played for uh, played in the first team and they were like one or two. And I was like, this guy's going to be some player. Star, and to yeah. be honest, he's only now just started to come through the ranks. And that's uh Bobby Reed, he, this player. Yep. Uh, he's at Cardiff now. Yep, yep. And last season, it was really his breakthrough season. And he's 24, but I play with him. I trained with him when he was 17, 18 and he was brilliant, fantastic player. And I think, I think he could go on to be a, a very good Premier League player, but I don't know whether the style of play at Cardiff will Yeah, it's very much bang it long, isn't it? Yeah, bang it. And he's a small, slight player. But at the same time as a player, when you're in that situation, if you get the opportunity to go to a Premier League club, it's hard to turn it down to go, I'd rather take the style over the... Opportunity of playing in the Premier, especially League. especially at his age as well. Yeah. If
3: you want to break through, very important. Eh? Do you think there's a not enough players are doing that, choosing the style over the club, or do you think, or do you think more players should be doing that?
2: If I could, my, m- me personally, if I could um, turn back the clock, that's what I would have done. Okay. I had the, I was at Leeds for far, f- nearly four years, and I, it was an unbelievable place. I loved the place, and I had an opportunity to go to Bristol on a lot more money they offered me a lot more money and I went and it was for me a disaster but now thinking back I go back to the conversation we've just had five minutes ago where a scout come to my mum and dad and said wherever he goes you need to be careful because the style of play was is crucial to what how he plays and I went to Bristol and they played it long and I got swallowed up because everything was off a second ball so I'd come short to get the ball, the ball would go over and then I wasn't there to pick up a second ball or it a physical battle. And the players in the championship are very big play- you know, six foot two midfielders that can run all day, maybe not as good technically. Yeah. So like I said, it for me, a lot of players should do that. And for me, it was a regret at 25, I think I was 24, 25 at the time when I went to Bristol not because the club, the club was fantastic. It was just the style of play just did not suit me.
3: Now, oh, have you had encountered that problem at all? Have you ever been worried about the style of play at a club before you've signed?
0: Uh, yeah, the glory now. No, <laughs> 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 nah. uh, I haven't really, to be honest with you. I, mean, I think it's different for a midfielder because as a defender, you're either told to play it out or lump it long. That was, for me in England, that was generally what it was. And the midf- midfielders do a lot of that work for you. Like like even at Glory saying, I get in a position where I'll receive the ball, say, from the keeper, but then it's the players around me and I've got no one to worry about behind me, so it's just what's in front of me. And I'm relying on them to make that movement for that for me to give them the ball. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. So I guess different styles, I don't know, I I don't know what I prefer personally, but you just adapt as a defender I find. The manager's are,
2: manager's crucial to that. You know, you see with Guardiola, he, he wants your, the center back, maybe five, 10, well, before Guardiola come back, they wanted a a center off the head and the block. Now, all of a sudden, the game's changed. A defender is there to start the play, or even the goalkeeper, goalkeeper has the, seen, yeah, yeah, the goalkeeper's yeah. there to start. So you see, for instance, Joe Hart, he doesn't suit Guardiola because he's not comfortable on the ball. And that's the Peter situation, Cech. Peter Cech. Mm. And that's the situation that, you know, a lot comes from the manager as well. The manager has to, you know, drum it into, this is the way I want to play. And again, it comes down to a lot is pressure from results, fans. Because for instance you wanna play out from the back and then a manager and then you'll lose one or two games start and then goals the crowds start yeah. getting on you. Oh, you know, why are we playing at the black? Why at the back? Why are we pushing you know, why we why aren't we doing playing it long? Mm. We're not getting results. The manager has to have them go, Okay, I'm sticking to this. I'm gonna get through it because it might take five to ten games and you hear you start heard it this time last season when the press were pushing Guardiola. Are you going to change your style? Are you going to change your style? Are you going to change? And he didn't. He said, no, I'm sticking to this. This is the way I'm playing. I will never change. And now all of a sudden, everyone's raving about him. (laughs) But a year ago, everyone was like, oh, you can't play like that in England. You can't play like that in England. Mm. And it's obvious that you can play like that in England, but you have to have the backing of the owners. You have to have the backing of the manager for the players. So... A lot of people don't see it. Because I've seen it throughout my career. Managers want to come in. They say, oh, we want to play out from the back. After two games, it's like... Maybe not got what the results that we got. The fans get on them. They're worried they're going to get sacked. They Just go we the play. So they go, yeah. get the ball as far away from my goal as possible, as yeah. quick as possible.
3: No, very interesting debate. But let's go to the England result. Let's actually, you'll focus on the result here. And obviously you've watched the World Cup, I'm sure, Neil. You've seen England play as well as they have in the World Cup and it's coming home, all that sort of thing. The hysteria <laughs> around the team. Obviously they lost to Spain in the League of Nations the other night. 2-1, do you think? After such a successful campaign at the World Cup, this is a backward step, as it's being written about in the press.
2: No, um, uh, to be honest, or a reality check is. I'll is go one back tag to the one. World Cup. Yeah. I think Gareth Gareth Southgate changed the way that England wanted to play, and I think against Croatia they they slipped back into the way that they wanted back to their old style. So when the pressure came and they were under pressure, they got the ball long, and the ball kept coming back. Pressure after pressure after pressure. They didn't play out as much as they did in the first games. Mm. And for me, I watched the World Cup and I was like, if you watch the last 60 minutes, every time they got the ball, it was sort Looking of like, low. don't split, get the ball forward. Yeah. And the ball kept forced, coming back. Yeah, forced. Yeah. And that's, for me, the biggest thing. And it was like England slipping back into their old way of get the ball as far away from possible uh, from us as possible and we know as players and people that have played the game that if you keep giving the ball away, you're going to... Eventually, the pressure's going to... Mount. Mount. And, mm. and so... And Spain play that way. You know, they play from the back. You know, I, kno- oh. I didn't see the game, but I know that they lost. But um, I think England, if they stick with Gareth Southgate and they stick to a style of play that they're now getting, what they did in the World Cup before the Croatia game, I think that they're
0: on the right track. Oh. Do you not think, though, that... England specifically need someone who can grab the game by the scuff of the neck because I don't, I think that in the midfield especially that, that's where they're lacking they're lacking someone I think a game changer if you look at like um, France like France won the World Cup right so you look at their midfield they've got Kante Pogba like just to name a few and I don't think England have got anyone on that on that level it's Hendo Deli
1: Ali in midfield who are very, well. good, players, are very but good, but good players but I don't
0: think if England want to improve and progress they've got to look at competing against the best and and wanting to win a a major tournament. I just think, I don't know, it's good that he's bringing you through and obviously they've got plenty of potential to progress, but I'm just not convinced that they've found that that key, that key player. Well,
3: the players he's just brought in are Ben Chilwell and Demarie Gray from Leicester. So they're the two latest inclusions into the side. Um, so they're still... But they are. They're still yeah, they're not world-beaters. They? No, 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 that's, that's what I mean. It <laughs> springs to mind, 100%. Yeah. They're still searching for that, that world-beater midfielder, as you say. So. But
1: they, I feel like what Gareth Southgate's done, I think his biggest achievement, is his kind of harmonising the England squad for so long. They didn't get along. It's been well publicised when you get Frank Lampard-Girard coming out saying, we, we were in our own little teams and our little cliques and we didn't really win together. It was very much a club-v-club club kind of attitude in there. Yeah. So I think Southgate's kind of brought everyone together. You can see it on the pitch as well. They enjoy playing with each other. So how important, Neil, is that, to have that
3: squad harmonised and everyone on the same page? Especially in international football, I suppose when you're coming from all different clubs, you've played a lot of it. What's it like when you actually are all coming to the camp from um, numerous locations?
2: Yeah, you only get a certain amount of time, so it's 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 tough you know, um, to get like the manager to get his ideas across. You know, um, but yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely hard when, if I'm honest, when I was in in the Socceroos, it was, um, we had a a decent, a decent uh, crop of players. You know, we got to the, uh, the final of the Asian Cup. Yeah. We lost in the final in in extra time. So, and then obviously um, the team four years later went on and won it. So, um, but yeah, it is tough for a manager to, to have such short time with the, uh, the team. And then to get his ideas across and to make everyone gel.
1: Are there always players that come from another club or whatever that have, I don't know, the wrong attitude coming into a I international think, camp? I'm not asking to name names or anything, but yeah. is there that kind well, of...
2: No, I think I think it would be hard with, like, obviously, countries, top countries, because they've got, you know, top players have got egos, which mm. can be a negative but can be a positive as well. And uh, We were talking about... That one player.
1: Azani. we always discuss yeah, that. that one. Yeah. Oh, Azani. Yeah. you know.
2: Um, you know, he, he fantastic, Billy. Really. Well, you've seen him up close, haven't you? Yeah, I, I play with him and train with him. Very, very confident. Very confident. But as a player, you have to be, even as a coach and a manager, you have to be very careful how you manage mm. that. Because if you knock that confidence and that, you know, that swagger out of his, out of him, that might affect his game, so could you be have his mojo to. Yeah, point, yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have to sort of, you know, guide him in the right way and and be careful. And there's no doubt the guy's got unbelievable ability. I
1: mean, you you had the options, you Neil. Know, just talking on the international front, just segue into this. You represented England and the Republic of Ireland mm. at youth level, and then obviously you could you could have represented them both, and you got Australia in the mix as well. Talk us through the process of why you chose Australia.
2: So. I played for Ireland for like 10 minutes. So basically, <laughs> when, I was at Ars- when I was at Arsenal... Just a quick one. When I was at Arsenal, um, Liam Brady was the, the academy director. Yep. Every, well, if anyone doesn't know, Liam Brady's one of the best players to ever play for Arsenal. Um, you know, so when he turns around and says, um, you've been called up for Ireland, he's Irish, you're, yeah, you're, you're going to go. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so it was tough. So I went and, you know, it's one of them things. I got, got 10 minutes. You know, I, I did that, and then I played, I think, 70s, 80s, 90s and twenties. And at the time, I was playing in the Premier League. Um, and I think uh, probably a month before the World Cup, uh, two thousand and six, they actually Australia actually found out that I could actually re- represent them through Stan Lazaridis, which I was playing with oh, at, Birmingham. at Birmingham. Yeah, of course. And he's told the told Australia, and and they've rang me up. And if I'm honest, I think I probably had a big chance of playing in going to that world cup you know in that squad if they found out earlier i was you know i was 19 at the time they had a fantastic squad uh but i was playing premier league League football football, you know uh, to play 25 games or whatever it was in the premier league at that time so young so i think i would have had a good chance but i got they asked me to come to the training camp and, and i went and um i and i and we and we and we had a game a friendly and I got on and, and, and I, I've enjoyed it ever since. Hi, I'm Neil Kenny from Perth Glory and you're listening to the and Zars podcast.
3: All right, we're going to change tack here. Let's go into a bit more Premier League discussion. Now, the BBC, and Alex, we'll get your take on this to start us off. The BBC released their top five Spanish players of all time in the Prem. David De Gea in at number five, Fernando Torres in at number four, Fabregas at three, Alonso at two, And silver at one. Do you agree with that? So that's the order that you've put it in. No, no, no. The the BBC have released that.
2: I think De Gea and Fabregas have to be higher. Yeah, yeah. I think they should be higher than uh, Xavi Alonso and because it's we're talking about the Premier League here. Mm -hmm. And Xavi Alonso, a fantastic player, and Torres are fantastic players, but they've never won the Premier League. And if you think about Fabregas, you think about De Gea. I think that they should be
3: them two, and then. So you rate club trophies over individual ability in these sort of situations well it's in the that's success the, in the premier league that's the that's yeah the
1: what was their kind of that's what players can be judged rational. yeah you
3: know
0: like players careers can take off because like, they're not they might not feature a lot but in that in season team. but they, but they they've won got, something but you know they've got that title yeah. next to the name and and that can take them off
3: so Alonso, in unit number two just won the champions league in the fa cup Fabregas few, A uh, few then. League Cups in
0: there, surely. Fabregas few should Mickey be answers. Answers. Fabregas should be number one, in my opinion. Or some second, silver. Second, silver, then silver, then Fabregas. Fabregas I there. And, then e- yeah. and even De Gea. De
2: Gea's won the, w- the, 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 the Premier League as well. So Premier League, FA Cup, Europa League, League Cup.
0: I probably would have gone silver one, Fabregas two, De Gea three, and then Torres four, Alonso five.
3: Did you ever come up against any of those players, Neil? Yeah,
0: um,
2: um, probably, yeah, pr- uh, definitely uh, Torres, definitely Xavi Alonso, definitely Fabregas. Uh, no, don't think Silva.
1: I, I
0: played Fabregas-Silva know. Now. Yeah. Yeah. No, you did too. <laughs> 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 uh, how was I
1: it against <laughs> Fabregas? I mean, we've talked about him before and how talented he was in that central midfield role. What What is it about his game that makes him so... so I mean, he has such an impact all the time. Um, and he may not be the biggest athlete either.
2: Well, I... Uh, I actually played with him when he was sixteen. First come to Arsenal. Um we were together, um for a little while.
1: had a rude haircut
2: then, didn't he? N- not when I played with <laughs> him, but uh <laughs> after that, yeah. yeah. Was that um, when he started dying it? Yeah, the yeah, it skunk like a, yeah, haircut. It was a Freddy yeah. Jumberg esque,
0: wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
2: but he's uh yeah, technically gifted, he come from Barcelona. So y- you would imagine obviously playing f- coming through the Barcelona Academy, very good technically, unbelievable passing mm. range. Yeah, I mean and I mean Torres, pace-wise. Yeah, pace and power, really. Suited the Premier League down to a T. Strong and quick. Um, maybe not the best at linking up the game, mm. but anything over the top, get there, and he's strong, so he could move people out of the way. And is
1: there a better passer of the football than Shabby Alonso in his day?
2: Uh,
1: Scholes? Yeah. Skulls. Sh- Shelby? Sh- oh God, come on!
3: Shabby Hernandez. Uh,
2: sh- no, yeah, yeah. Barcy Shabby, Yeah, Barca's yeah, Barca, yeah. um... The best, the best player. I think one of the best midfielders ever, in yeah. my opinion. But if he went to somewhere like, I think he wouldn't be as appreciated in England. It that's comes down to style of that's play. That's a
0: big debate, isn't it? Or like, especially because you look at competition for the Premier League. You say La Liga is probably up against it. Yeah, some argue it's better. You know, um, they the argument always is: would the best players from La Liga? Do well in the Premier League. I think they would if they play for bu- uh, the right team. Quite, quite, yeah,
2: and I, I've always said, and throughout my career, that the Premier League is the most entertaining league in the world. But is it the best league in the world? Well, what do you think? I think the the Spanish league is so much more technically better. But the to watch is the Premier League because it's like a basketball game. Yeah. S- yeah. Everyone's <laughs> an athlete. Everyone's yeah, yeah. an athlete. Yeah. Up and down, up and down. So the
1: disparity may be bigger between the best and the worst yeah. in the liga, but in terms well, of you the say general technical
2: ability. See, there's this there's this everyone says about the lower teams are not that good Frecantive in the Preconceived notion, I yeah. think. Yeah. But if you look at the Europa League over the last ten years, you know you've Champions got League as well. Champions League. Yeah. You know, people say that, but you look at Sevilla teams like that, Valencia they all do well in the Europa League and they're all, span- uh, even athletic. Uh, athletic,
1: Yeah, Athletic like in Madrid yeah. and Bilbao as yeah. well do yeah. well in Europe. Do you think that's a, they're better at competition football and tournament football or do you think there's a genuine lack no, or disparity in terms of talent there?
2: I think the, pre- I think in European football, I think people, they, they're they technically better so they keep the ball for longer periods to tire teams out. So okay. they slow, you know, slow mm. the game down and keep the ball, make teams move and you get tired it's like a boxing match Yeah. Mm. you know they, they you, you, you jab them to keep them at bay to tire them a few body shots and then eventually you knock them out
3: do you agree with that Al have you ever been coached in that manner in England when you were there and so in terms of has your team been coached of like holding the ball and, and that sort of thing when you were playing there
0: what possession based yeah um,
3: Mark can you see that
0: Nah he didn't no, he didn't he didn't he probably he might have done it when he was at Man City but yeah, Stoke he wasn't he wasn't like that. It, for me, I remember with the training with the first team and that when you play with the reserves, he um it was generally it's <laughs> it <laughs> up to Crouchy. But yeah, you do yeah. you, it it fizzles down like you'd yeah. have played like it was Wenger when you were at Arsenal so you would have played that possession based football when but when <laughs> you it's like what Neil said about before with It all depends on what the manager is. That's a whole different
2: debate. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I could go on for ages being (laughs) through the youth teams in in England and, you know, the first team play long ball and then the youth team play football. So it comes to the reserve team football. What do they do? Or the manager wants a player (laughs) from the youth team. What happens? He goes, I want to play it. So they're teaching players in the youth team to play football and they want a long ball. I, I just think, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, yeah. but what I'm saying is if you're going to play long ball first team football, play long ball at the, the
0: youth level. It has to be a philosophy and brand yeah, yeah, that everyone adheres to, whatever yeah. Mm-hmm. I found that at Stoke, like, that was the case because a coach Glenn Hodges, who was an ex player and friends of Mark Hughes, he liked playing the ball around. But then when you went over the first team, it was, you know, you had Shawcross and Hoof who were playing centre half, and I went, when I fitted in there in the shape or whatever, it was literally just a Diag to Crouchy, and then. Crouchy had chested down elbow, yeah. to Walters, who'd just run off him or Jufo, whoever it was, and then that was just the game plan pretty much. And then <laughs> yeah. you had like Enzonzi and that in the middle who just pick up the crumbs. Se-crouch. And, and yeah, then yeah, and then Ivanovic running behind. Do you know what I mean? So it was just like it's, it's
1: using what you've got at your disposal. That, but that's, what, he felt, but that's what Neil's ability. saying, yeah, like yeah. that.
0: If if, from a youth level, that that doesn't help because then if the youth, if the youth player comes through, he's he's not going to be able to play for yeah. the first team because he can't why play they that can't, style. And that's why they
2: can't. That's why I think England have failed to produce. Players at that level, bec- at the top level, because they play a certain way, and then they get to a, a, a get to a level, and then it's like we want a whole different player. So then. it's
1: stuck in their ways, do you think? Do you yeah, think like there's a stubbornness I to think it. So.
2: Oh yeah, I think it comes. It comes down to fans as well. It comes down to the crowd have to be patient with the, cl- the with the team, with the manager, in the sense of if they're playing out from the back. The, the crowd get on their back and yeah. then
1: there seems to be those notions and sentiments that come out of the Premier League like, I think it was Sune said you can't win with kids yeah and then and, then and he's gone and done uh, that with Ferguson went if, and done that
2: if you listen to Guardiola and he said he sp- when he spoke to Javi Alonso and Xavi Alonso said all they go on about is second ball second ball second ball and I've always thought to myself why is there a second ball because the quality up to the striker isn't isn't good enough to his chest or yeah. to his foot it's up at his hair head, so he's trying to flick it, and then all of a sudden there's a second ball. So now Guardiola's, he's making the ball into people a better pass for mm. them to deal with, so there's not as many second balls to deal with. Obviously you have to deal with them, mm. but you yeah, maybe but they're not. It's not nine out of ten second balls maybe it's four out of ten or three out yeah. of ten
1: second balls Well, you have yeah, more control yeah exactly for longer exactly right. Right. Does that you think where decision making has become such more of a focal point for players
2: yeah definitely and you know it comes down to mindset again like back in England maybe the old the older crew of players are going like the second ball yeah, but yeah. now the, the 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 new crop are now coming going actually, best option yeah best option is yeah yeah you
1: know? And that, I think that kind of plays into the whole you could argue it comes into the evolution of how defenders have had to become ball players and goalkeepers have had to become ball players. It's not just what they perceive to be as the easiest option, it's now playing the best option. So yeah. do you think that's been a product of that?
2: Yeah, well it's again, if you if you play the ball long, I'm not saying you can't play long. Mm. I'm saying play the ball long with quality. Yeah. If you see with Man City Yeah, with uh, with with quality, if you see Man City, Man City the goalkeeper's got the ball at the back from a goal kick they see everyone squeeze to the halfway because they think they're going to play out. So Aguero stays five, ten yards offside, and the guy and the keeper it, plays it. Yeah. it not who's it, but he plays it a long ball with quality, yeah. you know, into an area where Aguero can.
0: Well, he's not offside. Yeah, where yeah, he's, he's not he's offside. Yeah. He can't be offside. Yeah,
2: So he knows that. So he's like, go on then, you squeeze mm. in, yeah. and I'll leave Aguero. 10, 15 yards offside, I've got a keeper that can put the ball
3: in you know, either spot. Uh,
2: yeah, 60, 70 yards in a five yard area, mm. and you've seen it before. Uh, Aguero goes through and scores. I can't believe that paid off and that then, defending. And then all of a sudden, the team goes, oh, we can't press them now because <laughs> we'll leave Aguero up. So then, all of a sudden, the back line drops. So then, the midfield drops. The defence, uh, the strikers drop, and then the centre halves get the ball and they play out from the back.
1: Yeah, there's two high lines yeah, as well for the yeah. opposition defence. So,
0: and then clever. they score against them that way. Yeah, and then yeah. they score them against them that yeah. way. He yeah, got so <laughs> many options
1: with them. You've got Mara's now, signed down the play. They got the directness of Mendy whipping in balls and everything, and Sterling. It's yeah. just
0: it is just adjusting and like yeah. playing to how they. Defend against I feel you. like they've
1: got that brand of football, but there's so many intricate levels to their brand of football. And we've talked about this before, Neil, where they've got direct players like your and Stern that will just they'll bomb on down the line and get balls in the box and create chances like that. But then you've got Myers now, take touches, slow down the play, look inside, cut inside, square ball. So and then you've got Carl Walker that um, stays back a bit now and Mendy bombs down the line. So on each level and each side of you just don't know how to defend them. They've there's so many levels to it
2: at, and at the minute you know um everyone even at tottenham uh Kyle walker would play as a wing back basically um but at the minute he's staying back but eventually walker in the season walker now yeah eventually uh, eventually probably later in the season when teams have worked that out they'll change to walker going high up the pitch and oh. mendy coming around or you know the two center half split at the center midfielder comes in between you know like there's just different ways of playing you know for them and that, and that's why guardiola is the best at it because he knows
0: tactically he's unbelievable i <laughs> want to know the tactical ma- masterclass who's going to going to break down guardiola and who's going to beat it and when you just go tops done it a
1: couple times last season
0: champions <laughs> league and premier league i'll have you know yeah yeah but do you yeah, think it, it is that the
1: Gagan press that is the way that you get i mean you obviously have to have the talent to finish off the chances but we saw with liverpool on multiple occasions last season beat and sometimes convincingly beat City at their own game and playing a high press. Do you think that is the key? And are they the only ones that can do it? Or what do you think are the ingredients that can counter Guardiola's tactics?
2: Well, let's be honest. Liverpool don't have bad players. Yeah. So they've got fantastic players as well. Yeah. So they're two top teams going against each other. Yeah. So, but what as a manager, what would you rather win one or two games against the top team and then maybe lose or draw against the, that that's the thing with Liverpool now to put them on the same bracket as as Manchester City mm-hmm. they have to even when they you know they need to win against the lower teams
3: there you go that was a tactical masterclass here <laughs> with the shooting stars. thank you very much Neil but we're going to two more things before we finish up we, I'm just going to read out a little memoir that Peter Crouch you mentioned Peter Crouch before uh, Peter Crouch has released his memoir about Cristiano Ronaldo that he got told off Rio Ferdinand so it's pretty funny so in it, Crouch recounts a story from Rio Ferdinand, who spent six seasons with Cristiano Ronaldo at Man U. This is a quote: Rio Ferdinand would tell us stories about how Cristiano Ronaldo would stand in front of the mirror, naked, running his hand through his hair and say, "Wow, I'm so beautiful."
1: Doesn't surprise me. The other
3: United players would try to wind him up, saying, "Whatever, Leo Messi is a better player than you," and he would shrug his shoulders and smile again and say, "Ah, oh, yes, but Messi does not look like this." <laughs>
0: Me and, Nels, me and Neil say that to the other lads that train. And <laughs> the we're looking in the mirror.
3: Who's the uh, most... Who's Who looks at themselves the most in the mirror at Perth Glory? Oh, I could hazard a guess
1: at this as
0: Fabio well. F- Fabio Ferreira yeah. is really having himself at the moment as a bit of a model. <laughs> um, yeah, Sergio Tukani of like... Kindly given him some uh, some apparel You're and he's joking. been modelling it on his Instagram oh. so all the lady all the lady listeners, if you want to check it out, he's going <laughs> in some of that gear. Um so yeah, he's having himself at the moment. Neil? Uh, oh, yeah, f- yeah. What's Go on, a- dig,
3: the booty. What's, what's dig he, the booty. what's he like? Does he look at himself? Yeah, Is that I'm all right?
1: always <laughs> takes care of your barnet, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Except Hopefully. for now. Yeah, right. It's <laughs>
0: yeah. been a time. long day, lads. I've already told
3: you. <laughs> it's been a long day. There we go. A little <laughs> bit of funny stuff to finish this off. But to finish this off, yeah, we're going to test you on your own knowledge of your own career. This one, Bryce is going to take a hold of this one. So, here we go. Trivia.
1: Well, well, well. Welcome. This was Grant's trivia. You could hear in the sting there with his fantastic voice over there. How you feeling about your own quiz, mate?
3: Um, How not, old do you know your not, own career?
2: Not very, very well, if I'm honest. I need some confidence, <laughs> Ryan.
1: Under pressure. Yeah, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> come on. All right, number one. This, I think you'll you, you will definitely get. How old were you when you made your Premier League debut and what was the result?
2: 19 at 20, uh, 2-2. And what happened in that game? Uh, I got sent off <laughs> in the, I think it was the 81st or 83rd minute. But to be honest, uh, it was 2-1 at the time we were winning. And yeah. It was our first point at home that season.
3: All right, one from one. How many appearances
2: did you make for Birmingham City? Oh, appearances. Is that cup games as well? Yeah. Uh, oh, probably about 40.
1: 26. <laughs> oh, <I> man. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> um, on the 4th of January, you signed for a new club in the championship. Who was it? Oh, Leeds, yeah. Yeah, and I know you loved your time there about all... Oh, how many appearances did you make? Because I know uh, this. Bonus point. About
2: 129, was it? Oh, 122.
1: Uh, no. You were close. You, oh, were lo- you were close. I loved it there. It was what made it so special? I know that they're a very traditional club in England, a massive club, and they've had their, I mean, Champions League semi-finals when Burnsy was there, and they had Viduca and Kiu at the time. What made it so special for you?
2: Um, f- it was a, a massive, massive club, massive uh, fan base, brilliant, like. We used to get thirty, thirty-five thousand every week, the um, fan, um, and it had. It could go on. Yeah. Like, it, if I'm honest, I, I don't understand why someone, a, a like multi- billionaire, hasn't, hasn't bought, bought the them. club. Mm. Yeah. Anymore, because it's so got, much potential. It's got everything there. So a w- a one city club, it's got a training, unbelievable training ground, yeah. an unbelievable stadium, uh, the city's unbelievable, um, and the fans are fantastic, so loyal.
1: And moving on, number four. What year? Did you make your Socceroos debut? 2006. Correct. Yeah, I knew that. C- bonus point. All right, it starts with an L, we know that. What country? Oh, did you play against in that game?
2: <sighs> Liechtenstein? <laughs> That's it. Öl- All right, brilliant. I knew it was L- Lithuania or Liechtenstein. Yeah. And, it was L.
1: and L. where was it? Um, double bonus point. Yeah, double bonus point here.
2: Was it in Germany? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah All right, he's
1: got there. All right, last one. Last one. What year was your beloved Arsenal founded? Oh. 1889. Oh, 1886. I would have said
3: 1889.
1: Oof. That what? concludes the quiz. There we go. You did all right, you considering all right. you weren't going into that too confidently. Yeah. No. I think you did all right there.
3: All right, that concludes us here tonight for episode six of the Shooting Stars Premier League podcast. Alex, thanks for coming in late. No problem. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> you, guys. <laughs> it's a lot. I, Appreciate I made the you. FRK k. the No, big time. Look. Neil, this thanks so good. much for coming in and sitting in with us this time. Really yeah. appreciate it, mate. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Neil. good. I,
2: lo- I love talking football.
3: Alex Grant, Bryce Conway, me Stuart Marshall with Neil Kilkenny. We'll be back next week. Here
2: comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for New The way he brought that down was